Well, howdy, Church of 1122. Um, it's good to be with you this way. I am sitting on stage at what would be our 1122 service right now on Sunday, and um, God has just led me over these next four or five days to just do some devotions that will be available to you from God's Word each day. And so uh, I haven't even prepared much. I just uh, feel compelled to, to be able to just share God's Word with you and maybe help shepherd you through this time that is crazy. It's very confusing. We all expected to be at TPC this afternoon after being at church. I hope your online experience was incredible and fruitful. And I do know this, that anytime we gather together, whether it's two or three people in a home or whether it's 10 or 12,000 in some of these incredible facilities that God has blessed us with, that God is present there. And so our, our new normal may just be a little different, particularly over the next few weeks. And so um, our president has, has um, said that today would be a national day of prayer. And so I just wanted to share a little about how we as a church can be praying uh, in this time. So if you've got your Bible, go to Luke chapter 11, and I want to just share some thoughts on what prayer is according to Jesus. Luke 11, 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It's very interesting that Jesus had a certain place that he liked to pray. Also, it's interesting that the disciples would ask Jesus to teach them to prayer to pray. I don't know that 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 prayer is um, it's just something that you just know how to do. Now, I do think that prayer is instinctual, just like a little kid reaches out to their parents when they're in need. I can tell you, regardless of what people believe about Jesus right now in our world, when people are sick and in need, they instinctually reach out to him. And so at the base level, that is prayer. But Jesus is going to answer his disciples with this teaching on how to pray. And he says to them, when you pray, pray like this. And he starts it out this way. Father, hallowed be your name. Now, what you have to understand is that when Jesus starts out what we know as the Lord's Prayer with the words Father, it blew away all of the categories that these traditional Orthodox Jewish young men would have had about Yahweh or Elohim or Adonai, these names for God. You see, they primarily understood God as sovereign, king, judge, maker, creator. And all of those things are absolutely true. And yet Jesus says, when you pray, the way you should pray is you start with this word, Abba, or Father. That, that God, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, judge, ruler, and king, invites us to speak to him like you would speak to your dad. Now, this is something that Jesus had to teach his disciples because when they prayed, they didn't pray that way. Most of the time when they prayed, they would pray memorized prayers from the Old Testament, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's just a deeper way to pray. When we go to God, first and foremost, with the heart of a child going to their dad and saying, Father. And then next he says, hallowed be your name. Um, I think what he's saying here is everything else included in this prayer is going to be under the banner of 
glorifying the name of God. So before God, before I get to my request, which we're going to get to, and before I begin filling you in on all the information that I feel like you need to know, which is a bit silly, but we tend to do that, I just want to acknowledge my relationship with you is that of father and child, and secondly, that you are sovereign and king in everything that I'm asking for and everything that I am bringing to you and all of my cares and all of my concerns are essentially primarily about your name being hallowed. You see, oftentimes when we pray, it doesn't so much change our situation, but when we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, it for sure changes us in our situation. You see, we pray because we have an alignment issue. We pray not because God needs information from us. We pray because we need to be realigned with God, that our lives and our story would ultimately be about him and his glory. And so when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he said, this is how you start. He's your dad. And align yourself with him. He goes on to say, your kingdom come. This, I think this is just commentary on what it means for our lives to hallow his name. God, would you transform my heart? God, whether you change the circumstances or not, would you change me so that I could be an instrument of your peace and your love and your justice and your gospel on this earth as it is in heaven? God, may the things of heaven, a right relationship with you, may those things through me filter into this earth. And then he says, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive who is indebted to us. In other words, Jesus, may your grace and your forgiveness flow through us and out of us to such a point where we begin to treat people the way you have treated us. And then he says, and lead us not into temptation. And then, that's the Lord's Prayer. Now, the crazy thing about the Lord's Prayer is this. In the book of Matthew, when Jesus is instructing his disciples to pray, he says, uh, when you pray, don't just do like rote, memorized prayers and don't go on and on and on so as to impress everybody. And so what we did as disciples, as Christians, is we took that teaching and then we memorized the words that Jesus said and then we repeated over and over and over. And so I think then Jesus is going to share a couple of parables so that we can understand what the heart of prayer really is. And he says this, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, what you have to understand about this is that hospitality in the first century was of utmost importance. So this seems kind of like a, a, a random story to us, like if, if one of my neighbors came over to my house asking for a Pop-Tart at 3 o'clock in the morning, I either wouldn't answer the door or I'd call the police because that would be, it'd be totally out of context. In this context, there was not a whole bunch of like hotels or, you know, you couldn't just go online and book a room. And so if you were traveling with, a, with your family and you got into a village and you needed somewhere to stay, if you knew somebody in that village, you just assumed because of the importance of hospitality, you could just go to their house, knock on the door and say, hey, man, we need to stay with you tonight. And if you could not host somebody and you could not feed them and give them something to drink, then um, people would look down on you like crazy. So this was a really, really big deal. 
So he's like, all right, who among you, if a friend knocked on the door, said, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot get up and give you anything. In other words, if you're in bed at night, and the way they would sleep in these little one-room houses is that usually the dad would sleep in the middle and all the family would sleep around him uh, mostly for warmth. And he's like, so imagine somebody knocks on the door at night, you wake up, it's three o'clock in the morning and your neighbor who didn't go to Costco and get enough bread, he needs bread. What would you want to do? You know that you would want to lay there and be like, bro, stop knocking on the door. You're going to wake up me and my entire family. And he says, and I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. In other words, who of you has a friend, if they came to your house and you were asleep and you had 10,000 reasons to not get up and give them what they asked for, but because the neighbor bangs and bangs and bangs and knocks and knocks and knocks and won't leave you alone, you could be coerced to get up and give him a piece of bread. Now, this is his teaching on prayer. <laughs> and you may say, so pastor, are you saying that God is like a sleepy father in heaven, and if we just aggravate him long enough, then and maybe then he will give us what we want? Well, listen, every little kid on the planet knows at some point this works with your parents, doesn't it? I mean, eventually they just gripe long enough. You're like, fine. And then you give them what they ask for. Well, sometimes when Jesus would teach parables, parable just means like to lay alongside of. Sometimes when he would teach parables, he would teach a story and say, God is like this. But in this parable, he's saying, God is not like this. We find out from the last verse in this section that what Jesus is saying about God is this. If you, who are an evil, selfish, self-centered dad, if you can be coerced to get up and answer someone's request, how much more does your loving Heavenly Father want to hear from you? This is why he continues and he says, And so I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. And if you knew the Greek words here, the tense of these words, it's not just like ask one time. What Jesus said is when you pray, you got to ask and ask and keep on asking. And when you pray, you got to knock and knock and keep on knocking. And when you pray, you got to seek and seek and keep on seeking. And for anyone who asks and asks and asks and seeks and seeks and seeks and knocks and knocks and knocks, it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. Now this was to describe the previous parable. Here's what he's saying. That when, in regards to prayer, God says, ask me again. Come on, ask me again. Keep bringing that to me. Now, again, I've told you before, if the words ask me again come out of my mouth at my house towards my kids, it's not good. It's more like ask me again. But God, with his patience, says, no, no, no. Ask me again. Ask me again. Ask me again. Now, you may look at this and you say, well, listen, I've been asking God for this same prayer request for years, and he has not given it to me. And I would tell you that God answers every prayer. Sometimes with yes, sometimes with no, sometimes with not now. 
Tim Keller says that God answers your prayers the same way you would answer your prayers if you knew all that God knows. And so Jesus goes on to explain, and he gives another parable. And he says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So there's a lot here. First, he teaches, when you pray, start with our Father. And then the way he ends it, he's like, listen, dads, you know what this is about. You see, think about this. Who in the world can wake up a king at 3 o'clock in the morning and ask for a glass of water? Only that king's child. You see, when I'm in my house, especially when my kids were younger, they had no problem walking into my bedroom and waking me up and saying, Dad, I'm thirsty. And you know what I did? I would get up and give them something to drink. And I didn't give them poison. No, no, no. I gave them something that was good for them. And we, in the same way, we have a Heavenly Father, and He's a good Dad, and He loves His kids. And right now, we may be in a season where we ask, why God? Or maybe we know people that are sick, and we cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God. And because of the cross of Jesus Christ, what we can know is this, is that he's a good dad. And he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet still sinners, that Christ died for us. And so not only did Christ die, but he was resurrected from the grave. And if he was willing to do that for us, then what would he hold back from us? And so we, as a church, we, as sons and daughters of God, when we pray, we need to come to him as a heavenly father that knows best and loves us. And we need to align our lives to him and say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. God, use me to bring your kingdom here. You need to make our, we need to make our request known to him for sure and ask and seek and knock, knowing that he is a good, good father that loves to give good gifts to his kids. So church, I just wanna take a few minutes and pray. Um, we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for the sick people around the world. We need to pray for the, the families of those that have lost loved ones. We need to pray for doctors and nurses. We need to pray that God would rain down on us. He is the great physician, and every good and perfect gift comes from above. So whether God decides to stop this coronavirus supernaturally, glory to God, or if he gives the right minds and medicine and technology for it to be stopped, praise God. And we need to pray for humility on our part. And we need to use this time as an opportunity to lean into him, knowing that he will lean into us. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, would you align our lives to your will and your ways and your work. God, I pray for the men and the women, the students and the children of the church of 1122. God, I pray against the spirit of fear because you have not given us that. Lord, I pray that you would fill us up with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with power and love and a sound mind. God, I thank you that preparation is not panic. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes wholly and solely fixed upon you and you alone. And God, we pray for our leaders, the leaders of this world, the leaders of our nation, that they would make well-informed decisions for the sake of your people, for all of the people. 
God, I pray for our local leaders here and around Jacksonville. God, I pray for the men and women in our church who economically this is affecting in significant ways. And Lord, I pray that we would fix our eyes wholly and solely on you and you alone, trusting that you're a good, good father and you love your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church.